Hey, Kay First, uh, welcome to week number three of our series called Her Voice, where we have been highlighting the voice and the role of women in the kingdom of God. And when we thought about doing this series, one of the top voices that I wanted to make sure came to Kalamazoo first was the voice of one of our mentors. Joel and Donna Stocker were our pastors in Midland, Michigan for seven years. They are spiritual parents in our lives, people that we tremendously look up to and lean upon. And we wanted Donna's voice to be one of the voices that you would hear. And so what I did was I sent her a few questions and just was asking her if she would just kind of respond to those and kind of have a conversation together about the voice, the role of women in the kingdom of God. So Donna, thank you for being with me. And specifically, thanks for letting me drive up here and invade your home during this time. Uh, So the first question, have you seen a change? And if so, what changes have you seen in the way the church has navigated women in ministry? I would answer that question, yes, right away. But let me say that we ministered in Minnesota before we came to Michigan in the same church, Bloomington Assembly. We were eight years as youth pastors, eight years as the assistant pastors. Then coming to Midland, we were the lead pastors for 31 years, for a total of 47 years, just under 50 years of ministry. So we've seen a lot of things come, a lot of things go. I would have to say that for most of those years, what we've seen was probably female Sunday school teachers Mm. and probably a woman's ministry director. And that seemed to be pretty much the extent of what we experienced as women in ministry. I want to say that probably in the last 15 to 20 years, maybe we've seen a shift and it's been a welcome shift. Only 20 years, like at the most. I would say so. Okay. So in taking the lead pastor at CCC for 31 years, we started though way back in the day with a woman pastor as a worship leader. We shifted her to care pastor and upon her retirement, and I want to say that she was with us 17 years We replaced her with another woman pastor. So for our entire 31 years as lead pastor, we had a female, a woman pastor on our staff. And also, we seen the value in the ministry of a woman that when we looked at our board members, we looked at them as board couples. Hmm. And each was just as important. And we seen in the scriptures where there was as many requirements for the male part of the board couple as there were for the female couple. So we feel like if those requirements were there, then apparently her ministry was valued. And so we chose them as couples, not just as one or the other. And so we've always had a strong female presence in our church. We approached women in ministry with openness. Mm -hmm. If they were gifted and called, they should have a platform for that gifting and calling to be used And we should help facilitate it. I love what you just said, that if they have a calling, we should have room. We should have space for them. In fact, when we came on staff with you guys, it was the first time that we had known a church staff to have a woman as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't the women's ministry pastor. Correct. She was had just a legit role as any man around the table, and that it just honestly it blessed us. And then we found out who she succeeded, and realized it was not the only female that was invited to be on staff, and that really that it, it blessed us tremendously just in the interview process because that says there's something different about this church. 
That was tremendous. Wow. So for many years, we didn't see a lot of opportunities in the body of Christ at large using women. Mm -hmm. But I would say it has taken a welcome change over the past 15 to 20 years. Women are now being utilized in their gifts and callings, and many are being credentialed. That's tremendous. I mean, it's such... It breaks my heart that it took up till what, 20 years ago to really make that change. And, I'm, and we can probably only speak about the Assemblies of God here. Let's just keep that in the context because we're both Assemblies of God uh, church leaders. But it's a shame it's taken 20 years. But I love the fact that the door's open. It's been burst open and there's nothing that's keeping our ladies back, our young ladies back from going after credentialing, going after any role in the church. I think that's that's tremendous. Um, second question that I sent you, what struggles did you face following your calling or navigating through ministry as it pertains to you being a woman? How, what, you know, what was the struggle? Maybe some, maybe block, blockades might be too strong of a word, but maybe what is some of the tension that you personally felt going through just life in ministry as a female? Mm-hmm. I would say that probably the biggest struggle was, and I have to address what my role was, yeah. was a, a pastor's wife, that my biggest struggle was just being okay with that. And so, as anything else, it takes time to grow that. Yes. It takes time to be comfortable in your skin. It takes time to realize you, you either are going to do everything because of maybe the size of the church. Mm-hmm. Or if you have uh, a little larger church that you don't have to do everything. But the biggest thing is to get your expectations satisfied by the Lord and not by people. Oh, so good. And so I would say that that's probably probably the grandest struggle. But I think that that would fit with anybody who's younger and growing in ministry. I would then say probably the biggest struggle is feeling valued. Mm. And when I say that, that's as high as the Empire State Building. There's probably some higher now. Yes. Just feeling valued in the ministry. And as a result, myself as well as my husband became very intentional to see women in ministry feel confident Mm. and feel valued. And I can give you an example of of this when we were uh, in our first pastorate place for 16 years as youth and assistant. We would come together on Christmas for a holiday party. I, you know, y'all come kind of thing, and let's just have a really good time. And I can remember coming to that and feeling like a duck out of water mm. because there was nothing for the spouse of the male minister. Mm. So when we came together, nobody knew each other, and it was most uncomfortable. Wow. And I remember experiencing that several years and walking away and saying, something's wrong. This can be better. Yeah. And so I prayed about it and I said, I need to go talk to the lead pastor's wife and see how we can build something for the other part of the minister couple Mm -hmm. so that there's camaraderie, Mm -hmm. that we can feel valued as women in ministry. And so it kind of cracked me up because this is what my my feedback was to that request. It was, well, if we're going to come together, there needs to be a reason why. So let's all, our first time, we'll do this. Everybody bring their favorite book, spiritual book, 
and maybe we can select one and we can study it together. So we did. So we all brought our books. Now I have to tell you, back in that day, I probably had uh, a three-year-old mm-hmm. and I probably had the next one down and I probably was pregnant and I probably had all the trouble in the world trying to read the scriptures, <laughs> let alone be into all these spiritual books that I was supposed to bring and share that perhaps we could study. And so you just, if you get to know me a little bit more like Dave does, my Donna humor kicked in. And I said, okay, my selection of books are are going to be golden books, the little children's (laughs) story golden books. And I found one that was just a fun one, and I found one that maybe was when I go to bed at night and pray. So I had two offerings to bring to the table. (laughs) And I remember sitting those books down, and we all cracked up and laughed, except... (laughs) I didn't want to like not be really respectful to my pastor's wife at that time, but I don't think I made her day, and I don't think she was very happy with me. But in my heart, I felt like, could not the purpose just be being together? Yeah. So yeah. that we could grow in relationship. Wow. And so out of that, uh, burst in my heart, a continuous monthly get-together for staff girls. Mm-hmm. And so that continued after that day, and we were able to kind of do the book on the side, but our purpose was to be together and to laugh together and cry together or whatever the needs might be. And it continued until the last month that we walked away from our post 47 years later. And that's, I, I remember that stuck out so much to, to Anne when we came on staff because I think every position we've ever had, we've only had three, we came in with this overwhelming what is the expectation on Dave mm-hmm. because he's the pastor mm-hmm. and her role was honestly, I would say, more diminished mm-hmm. or they had a different expectation, a mold that she had to fit. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you experience that? And specifically coming on as a lead pastor's wife and you guys came into then Midland Assembly of God, became Christian Celebration Center. Did you experience almost that same level of expectation where, okay, you're a staff wife and you rallied all of those ladies together, which was huge. I mean, that's a ministry in and of itself of giving value to the the, the women of, of the ministry of that church. Did you feel that you had other levels of expectation on you as a new lead pastor's wife coming into Midland? Like, I know Ann got, do you sing? Do you play piano? Do you do this? Do you do that? Did you have those same levels of of expectation? No, I believe that those expectations may have been there. But when you are a strong pastor coming in, Mm -hmm. you need to to declare who you're going to be right away. Yeah. Because if you give it away, you're not getting it back, right? (laughs) So you need to be strong. You need to say, this is who we are. And because my husband didn't have strong expectations to me. He gave me freedom to be who I needed to be in Christ. Oh, there's a good word. That I was free and I and my expectations came from the Lord. And then if I wanted to serve in other ways, I had the freedom to do it, but there were no expectations there. And therefore he really, we really together were able to cause mm-hmm. that to be a vibration throughout the congregation. I love that he empowered you to be who you needed to be, mm-hmm. who the Spirit of God breathed into you, and you were more than just your Joel, the accessory to Joel, to mm-hmm. Pastor Joel, 
you were Donna Stalker. You had an identity, and he empowered that, which is huge because that's what we caught from you that shocked us. Your role and your spirit absolutely shocked us. Um, I remember, you know, the first time Ann attended Bible study with you, and it didn't go the way you thought it should go. And you looked at Ann and says, "Just because you're a pastor's wife, you don't need to come back." Uh, but we kept thinking, "Well, isn't that what we're supposed to do as pastors' wives?" And you're like, "No, you've got to be who you've got to be." And when we came to Midland, we had those same questions: Do you does what does your wife do? Does she sing? Does she? Well, I was going to say dance, but we're simply, so we don't dance. Um, do we? Do you play piano? Do you do all those things? I remember just saying, she has the Anne factor. And that means she's going to be who she's going to be because this is what she was shown. And she's not going to be anybody else. Mm-hmm. And you can't expect her to be anybody else. And for some people, they just didn't get it. But months later, that entirety of that search committee came back and said, we know what the Anne factor is. We see it after the service. We see it before the service. We see it when our when our, she connects with our wives and they talk and they pray and they just have counsel together. And that is what she kind of gleaned from you, which was probably birthed years ago in Bloomington. That just simply said, I, I see something missing. We need identity with these ladies. We have to have an identity. And we're just, I love that. That makes my heart so happy. We had a, um, actually a, a mentor. In the name of Dr. Richard Dobbins, I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with that name. I may have he heard of him. He was a wonderful pastor and Christian psychologist through the years. And, of course, now he's with the Lord. But he had so many one-liners that stuck in my spirit. And one of them, too, that he brought to me was the fact that as a pastor's wife, mm-hmm. the most important thing is to love Jesus, to love your husband, and to be a friend to the people. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything else that comes out of that, that's just like frosting on the cake. It's but good. those are the main ingredients. And you have the freedom to pick and choose if there's areas you want to serve. Yeah. And to have the freedom to do that. That's so good. So good. Um, is it possible for a husband and a wife to be called to the same location, but have a different calling or approach at that location? Yes, it is possible. If both of the couples have a heart for God and the church, it can work. If they are void of either, the church probably will suffer. Mm. We had a a children's pastor's wife who we would say to you was just a prime example of a different calling, same location. And it was our children's pastor and the Clarksons on staff. And... Um, we seen that Miss Jan was uh, a professional. She traveled the world, and she was a Fortune 500 coach. But her love for God never waned, and her love for ministry never waned, and her love to be alongside of her husband never waned. And because of her heart for the church, she was still alongside of her husband, loving the children, being committed in her church attendance, worshiping, serving, and praying for others. And... We saw that she scheduled around the church, not the church around her and her travel and her job. And when we had special weekend events, we could depend on Jan changing up her schedule and making an effort to be there. Monthly board meetings, again, we looked at pastor's wives as important as their husbands and the board and the board wives we will all gather monthly, hmm. have a dinner together, and then break into the board session. She would be there. Kids camp, she would be there. And, of course, our monthly staff girls, she most often 
were there. So I would say to you, yes, it's possible. Um, to be in the, to have the same location, but to have a different calling. When it comes to the position of lead pastor, however, I like to see the couple share the same calling, same location. In my years of ministry, I have seen it to be the most mm. effective. Nice. And if you really think about that, it's really a no-brainer. If you have different diversions in different areas that you're diff different ways you're going, mm -hmm. um, it can be done. But in the perfect world, I would say if you can be single-minded, single-focused together, you're probably going to be the most effective. Okay. Do you see it possible to... I think you've kind of already answered this to have a calling to one location as... Like Ann and I, obviously both called to one location, but have a bit of a different angle of ministry, giftings in those ministries. Um, and, and maybe how has that even worked out with you and, and Joel? Because Joel... Uh, Joel's a preacher. I think you're a preacher too. Um, but you, you both had kind of approached ministry differently and just had different roles. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what I saw in your life was there was this, um, this massive anointing of intercession that just rested on you. And, you know, listening to Joel pr uh, like pray just takes you back to staff meeting and but yet, there's something about when you prayed, there was just a different, there was just a different spirit. I think of Caleb in the scripture, had a different spirit about him, and you had that. And yet, I watched having a singularity of a vision for the church, but yet you both kind of had some different roles. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess, I, I don't know what even question I'm asking in this, I, you know, when did you maybe, maybe discover a little bit of a different, a difference in your roles? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, again... Time kind of is your friend in those regards that as you find your rhythm and you navigate in years together, um, I think it's probably just a natural where you branch out and, you know, find areas that, you know, really fit you well and suit you well. And, uh, of course, he, he, he needed to be the lead pastor and he needed to do the preaching. And so, you know, some of those things just kind of are what comes with the territory. And for perhaps myself as the female, a little bit of time and, and, you know, you begin to discover some different things that, you know, you have grown in and are comfortable in doing. And you mentioned the, uh, the ministry of intercession. I have to tell you that that just didn't land on me. Yeah. Um, I really had to, I, I grew in that and mm -hmm. I can kind of tell you a little bit about the story. Please, please. Um, you know, we had uh, a women's ministry in our church, and it was a good, strong one. I would say, you know, 75, 80 women that would gather weekly. And our women's ministry uh, Bible study I'm referring to in specific ran school year. Mm -hmm. So it was once a week, and, you know, um, summers were off. But the committee always wanted me to do the fall session to open it up with what they thought was the bang, the lead pastor's wife. But I might even throw in here, too, that because we esteem women so much, I didn't have to hog that platform. Yeah. So, so good. That's I opened so good. up the fall session usually. And then that gave us, I think, two other sessions, a spring session and then a, a later, a winter session and a spring session. So we were able to take people who loved the word and had studied 
and had their abilities to be able to step into that role and be used as a teacher as well. Mm -hmm. So we grew many women by allowing them that platform to be used as a teacher. And I will have to say that, again, I grew into that teaching role. It isn't anything I came with. Yeah. And I always told the Lord that I would never say no to him, which is kind of scary. (laughs) But when you step in the willingness to say, I will, then he comes and meets you with a surprise that that uh, usually is a wonderful gift, yeah. even though it was scary, and you really grow out of it. Yeah. And so I was really appreciative for that, although my husband knew that I was a piece of work to be around. And <laughs> it was like, okay, I have to teach in the fall. What is it going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, teach what? And so I can remember uh, with uh, the experience of the intercession study, in the summer months, you know, when you're supposed to be relaxed and enjoying picnics, I'm like, God, what's it going to be? September's coming. And so I remember walking into his office one day, and this is just, you know, on my heart and my mind, morning, day, and night, until that's the big thing is what is it going to be? And then once you know what it's going to be, you can kind of, like, work it over, right? Yeah. And there was a brown paper bag in the corner of his office. And I remember raffling through that, and I said, what is this? And he said, oh, it's, I know, some ministry material that a, a ministerial friend mm-hmm. sent to me. And and I kind of looked a little deeper and saw that it was kind of on prayer, and it kind of, you know, rose curiosity into me, looking for something to do with these women to teach them. I said, do you mind if I just investigate it and see what it's about? Do you plan to use it? And he said, well... Not anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And he said, fine, take it and, and you know, see, see what you think. Well, I took that brown paper bag and in it was a, a study on intercession. And <laughs> I took that study home and I have to tell you that it was in cassette form. And I, and I listened to those cassettes and I wrote down every word so it was go forward, go backwards, go forward, go backwards. You're dictating for, it felt like 50,000 years, <laughs> dictating down every word. But I think that was probably the key to how it really greatly affected me. Because yeah. not only did my ear catch it, but I could go back and stare at it and give it time to really connect with me instead of just hear it and, and it's gone. And so I took that home and pers- really studied it, and it was out of that brown paper bag that God taught me about intercession and and so many things that that just radically seeded and changed my life. Mm -hmm. And so I would say to you, don't ever underestimate a brown paper bag because that was exactly how intercession came to me, how it um, ignited my spirit, made sense to me, and how I then was able to take it and give it out and give it to many people on different platforms. I was able to teach it in ladies' Bible study. I was able to teach it on a Wednesday night platform at our church. I was able to mentor other women in it by handing them the, the whole series in a workbook. And and we even had, at that time, I remember uh, Barb Ingold in our church lost her husband instantly. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to get a hold of that, and I gave that to her. And she said that that just really helped her Mm. in those days of of losing her husband. So, um, yep, that's how it started in me. And out of that, we also grew a couple of things. One being 
an intercessory team around each pastor. Yeah. So we had seven or eight pastors, and we would encourage them to pick meaningful people in their lives that they knew had a prayer life come around them. And it wasn't just for their ministry needs, but it was their personal needs as well, family needs, and any concerns and burdens that they would have. And so each team had probably anywhere from four, five, six that came around a pastor, and each each pastor had their own team of intercessors. And for those watching, Pastor's Prayer Team that has been meeting for 11 years now at K-First is birthed out of that. Mm-hmm. So we're some of the fruit of the brown paper bag, which I think should be its own series now. <laughs> Just the brown paper bag, the, yeah. the birthing of intercession. But what I love in that is the intercession, the the calling that you received just to be a greater intercessor did not come from the paper bag as much as it came from what you said earlier. You said, Lord, if you ask me to do anything, I will not say no. I will say yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that is key. Mm -hmm. That's what I think is so beautiful about your spirit. And not to be afraid. Yeah. Because, you know, fear paralyzes, faith rewards. Yeah. So don't be afraid. And anything that you say yes to, God's going to help you. He's going to give you the stuff. Yeah. You know, Moses said, I can't talk. Mm-hmm. God says, I'll put the words in your mouth. Yeah. And he does. And when you walk away from it, you know that you've been obedient, which isn't that what we all want to do most anyhow is be obedient to the Lord, but to just see his faithfulness. So good. And how he just, you know, the love that gushes on you because of your simple obedience and where you thought you couldn't mm-hmm. do something, mm-hmm. God gave you the ability. I wish we, we could probably have a whole message alone on just the power of yes. Mm-hmm. In fact, I mean, last Sunday, that was, it lines so much up with our last speaker, Lisa Marsak, which, which talked about the power of yes. And then to hear you talk now just honestly shows the spirit of God's order to how this thing has has flowed because i think i want every young lady watching this if a family's watching at home and there's a young daughter that maybe looks at a world that is not maybe she doesn't feel welcome maybe she doesn't feel like she stacks up with others that she would just simply say yes to the lord to see the next beth moore rise up out of these homes that to see just amazing the next joyce meyer and the next donna stocker rise up and just say i i have a calling too Mm-hmm. And 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 also to see how the calling has developed through the years has just been tremendous. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. I forgot about the paperback story. Yeah, man, that's yep, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, last question: What would you say to a new generation of women in ministry? In fact, let's pause for a second. I make sure the mic was still on. Are you hungry, girl? <laughs> All right, Kurt, just just splice it together, bud. Mm-hmm. All right. As a closing question, what would you say to a new generation of women in ministry? What advice would you give to the twenty-something version of yourself? I would say, if you feel gifted and called to ministry, there should be a place for you. Yeah. Prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. You give God more to work with when you prepare yourself. Say that again. That is, that's deeper than what I think most people would realize. Say that again. That's so good. If you feel gifted and called to ministry, there should be a place for you. Mm -hmm. So therefore, 
prepare yourself because you give God more to work with. Second, have a heart of a servant. Three, serve humbly. And four, serve in submission. Females don't necessarily always like that word, but submission is for your protection. In submission, you stay in the guideline of God's protection. When you don't submit, you're outside of it, and it's dangerous. I think the power of submitting to God with a yes instead of contingencies mm-hmm. is like I'm, 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 everything you're saying, I'm now connecting even back to the other things that you've said is so powerful. Um, and we just, I think some of us, especially in this, this westernized culture is we don't say yes until we see terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, I will say yes. I'll submit to your yes. I'll submit to what you call me as long as I hear all of the details first. Because I don't know if any one of us would actually have said yes to God had we seen every detail, every struggle we would have ever gone through from marriage. Sometimes I think if Anne knew what she had to put up with for the past 22 years, if she would have said yes to me, um, or the parenting struggles, or just normal life struggles to struggles as pastors. Uh, I don't know if we would have gave a wholehearted yes at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that you said I want to say yes, God, before you even tell me what it's going to be. And even that first point is honestly sticking in me. You know, we, we, we actually develop what I would call a capacity through preparation. AK First, I hope you've been enjoying the conversation that Don and I were having. But unfortunately, something happened with our video equipment and the last question I asked got cut off. And so I gave her a call and she sent me her notes because I wanted you to catch the last portion of this conversation because I think it's so key. My simple question was this, Donna, if you were to talk to your 20-year-old self, if you were to go back in time and talk to yourself about your future, about the direction that you were heading, what would you tell yourself as an, in fact, imagine you're sitting with all of the young ladies at K-First that have got a ton of life ahead of them. What would you tell the younger generations? And this is what she said. If you feel called and gifted, there should be a place for you. If you feel called and gifted, there should be a place for you. That's one of the things that has been a driving uh, a force within my heart is I want to make sure that we not just give a place for every man to get involved, but every woman to get involved. There's a place for you to not just hear from the Lord, but to fulfill the calling of God in your life. And so she really broke it down very practical and she gave four things. Number one, she said, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Why? She said, you give God more to work with. When you prepare yourself, you give God more to work with. When you become a a woman of the scriptures or a a woman of worship, when you become a a prayer warrior, uh, when you begin to serve people, when you begin to walk in generosity toward others, when you deepen yourself in the Lord, you are preparing yourself and you're actually, when you're deepening yourself, you're increasing your capacity to be used. I love how she says it. When you prepare yourself, you give God more to work with. That leads me to number two. Uh, She says, have a heart of a servant. So prepare yourself. Have the heart of a servant. Don't walk thirsting after titles. Walk in such a way that says, I'm a servant before anything. Which leads to number three. Donna says, servant humility. Servant humility. Don't just possess a heart of a servant. Serve in such a way 
that the credit doesn't go back to you. It goes back to the one that leads us to number four, the one that we walk in submission to. It's all according to Jesus. That we prepare ourselves, that we have a heart of a servant. We serve in humility, but we learn that we serve in such a way that has a life that is submitted unto the Lord. She wrapped up with this. God created women to be women of influence. And when it's used outside of the spirit, it can be very dangerous. She underscored very. I love that. God created women to be women of influences. Not women that have to sit in the shadows. Not women that have to just be extras in the grand scheme of life. Not women that have to sit on the sidelines or just have to stay back. But women, you're called to be women of influence. You're humans of destiny. And God has purpose and plans. And he sent his Holy Spirit to be upon you, to empower you, to call you, and to use you in, way, use you in ways that you have yet to dream of. The last scripture she gave, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 29, and NIV says this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Okay, first, today I just want to speak a blessing over the women of our church because you have received not a subpar spirit, not a side spirit. You have received the Holy Spirit that has fallen upon men and women, boys and girls, and he wants to not just impact your life, he wants to use your life. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we just get ourselves in a posture of prayer and almost hold our arms open as if to like literally open up our lives to say, God, come in and do a new work. Lord, I ask that there would just be a, pre a preparation drive within our lives that would strive to know you more, to be deeper in you, that would also deepen our capacity to be used by you. Help us, Lord, to go after things with the heart of a servant while making sure that we have the attitude of a servant, that we walk humbly before you and others. And let us be in a place where we live lives submitted to the presence of the Lord saying, Lord, don't just move within our comfort zone, but Lord, we submit to you as you take us outside of our comfort zone in whatever direction that you desire. Lord, I thank you for Donna. I thank you for the other Donnas that have been in my life and Anne's life. Lord, those amazing mentors that we have at K First that we have around us in our community. And Lord, I just speak blessing on them. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up more mentors that would come alongside of others calling them to a deeper knowledge of who you are. We love you, Lord, and we give you praise for an amazing morning. We speak it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.